Thanks for listening to The Leader. You can subscribe to make sure you get the best news, analysis and commentary at 4pm every day. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Boris Johnson's written for The Standard, warning of profound economic damage if Jeremy Corbyn wins the election. But what about the Tories' own plans? Underneath all the noise, the Conservative economic proposals are pretty modest, except for one big catastrophic thing, which is Brexit. Associate Editor Julian Glover takes us through the PM's proposals. And... The FRC has room uh, to use its discretion not to name a company. Now, one of the reasons for this is to do with the public interest. City correspondent Michael Bow on the city secret this newspaper thinks should be revealed. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, why stopping Jeremy Corbyn is not the same as a Tory economic plan. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, they're arguing. They just need to get it done. I'll get it. You've probably seen this. Boris Johnson recreating a scene from Love Actually. Oh. Hi. Who is it? It's... It's Carol Singers. Give him a quid and tell the bugger off. A film we referenced in The Standard and The Leader last week. In it, the Prime Minister holds cards promising to get Brexit done so the country can move on. Meanwhile, at Jeremy Corbyn's house... I'll bet Jeremy Corbyn will be glad when this election is over so he can go back to wearing his commie hat. The Labour leader's reading mean tweets about himself and his spending plans. Jeremy Corbyn isn't some kind of kindly magic grandpa. Quite the opposite, in fact. Wow. Can someone tell me who Jeremy Corbyn is? The next Prime Minister.
Joking aside, the economy's been oddly absent from much of the election debate. Writing in The Standard today, the Prime Minister's tried to put it front and centre, warning the damage to economic confidence would be profound if Labour wins this week. Our editorial column agrees, but argues Mr Johnson has questions of his own to answer. The poll suggests there isn't going to be a majority Labour government. So a rather more important question is what a Conservative government would do to the economy. What do we know? Ignore the noise. On spending, as the Institute for Fiscal Studies says, there would be little in the way of changes to tax, spending, welfare or anything else, apart from increases announced before the campaign began for the NHS and schools. But what if the government fails to agree a trade deal with the EU by next December? A leaked document from the Brexit Department described how hard it will be to agree terms for trade across the Irish border by then. Brexit is not the only uncertainty. We know that the next government will want to spend more on infrastructure. But where and how? The Conservative manifesto does not mention Crossrail 2, the essential line planned to run under London to take the strain off the tube. Seeing off Jeremy Corbyn's Marxist Tribute Act is what this week is about, but it's not the same as an economic policy. Associate Editor Julian Glover, I did try to come up with a more clever first question than this, but really it's all about the economy, stupid again, isn't it? Oddly in this election, it hasn't all been about the economy. It's as though we've sort of parked the economy and said, that's fixed, don't need to panic about that. We can talk about what people are seeing on videos or clips of WhatsApp pictures of kids in hospitals and rowing about which journalist knew what. Incredibly detailed, bitter battle going on in the election and everybody's ignoring the big thing, which is where does the money come from? Where are the jobs from? What kind of country are we going to have over the next few years? Labour completely ignoring that, just promising to spend, nationalise, take over, find cash all over the place. Everything's going to be free and everything's going to be fine, according to them. Not really very realistic. But what about the Tories? Well, not a lot better in some ways. Underneath all the noise, the Conservative economic proposals are pretty modest. Not much change to anything that's really going on. That's what the Institute for Fiscal Studies said, and it's what we say in the leader today. Except for one big catastrophic thing, which is Brexit. And will there be a no-deal Brexit next year in a new form when we don't get a trade deal and the Prime Minister says he won't extend the current arrangements Will we get some great catastrophic shock? That's what the election might have been about, but we haven't really discussed it at all. How has that happened? I think it's a mixture of exhaustion and lack of focus and ignorance. So we're all just sick of Brexit. And that, of course, is the secret of the Conservative slogan, get Brexit done. We'd all just love not to think about it. We all just want to go away for Christmas. It's a problem for next June, which at the moment seems... A long way away, though it isn't at all, really. And December is the date that the trade deal is meant to come into place. Nobody realistically thinks there's the faintest hope of a trade deal, even if we knew what the policy was for it. And we don't. I mean, one of the key things, back to that boring old thing, the Irish border, one of the key things the Prime Minister says is there won't be barriers between England and Northern Ireland, Scotland and Northern Ireland, on trade. You'd think there wouldn't be barriers because they're supposed to be the same country. Except that the deal he's agreed means there has to be barriers. He says there won't be. The EU will say there will be. How's that going to work out for a deal in place, operational, next December? These things take years. So it's all going to come back and bite us. So voters preparing to head out in the rain and sleet in some parts of the country, as I understand it. Will any of them be thinking about the economy? I think 
everybody's thinking about it in one very big, simple way, which is they're worried, a lot of voters are worried, that the Labour Party is going to do things to the economy that it's not an exaggeration to say would wreck it. Nationalisation on an extraordinary scale and an extraordinary speed without any funding, spending commitments to do lots of things that people might think are, are good in themselves, like get rid of homelessness or get rid of child poverty, but, but no clarity at all as to how this can be funded. Arbitrary claims for tax rises on a very small part of the rich population to fund everybody else's, which, which even their figures don't really support. A, a sense of a what in many ways really is a Marxist agenda, way, way beyond the social democracy that's led to successful and unsuccessful periods of Labour government since the Second World War. Really, really scary. And that isn't just rich people in the city saying they'll all get on a jet to Saint-Tropez if Labour wins, and we've heard that sort of thing before, and it all was perfectly fine. This is a real shock and a massive sense of change to the economy. And for a lot of voters, that's an issue. And of course, for some voters, the other way round. They'd be very worried about Tory government, particularly on Brexit. Massive shock and danger on that. But also, where would spending on things that people want supported, like the NHS, come from? Conservatives promising more money and have increased spending on the NHS, but the demand keeps going up. Nothing from the Conservatives on social care. We were told there was going to be a magical plan from the government on social care. It's so magical, it turns out to be invisible. Next. This is a stock market listed company. And when you are listed on the stock market, you're a public company. So lots of the listeners, lots of sort of ordinary people may have shares in this company. The big accountancy firm, Grant Thornton, has been hit with a six-figure fine over a botched audit. But why is the company involved not being named? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Accountancy giant Grant Thornton's been fined £650,000 over mistakes in the audit of a stock market-listed company whose identity remains a secret. It's a highly unusual move by the Financial Reporting Council, and our editorial column doesn't like it. The Financial Reporting Council has a reputation for cracking the whip and missing its target. It makes the right noises, but not much happens. Take what's just happened today. It has fined Grant Thornton £650,000 and one of its partners £20,000 for failures in the way it audited a publicly listed company in 2016. That's good, 
Auditing is a cosy world, and investors need to be told the truth about the financial position of businesses. This makes it all the stranger that we haven't been told the name of the company involved. We deserve to know. Our city correspondent Michael Bowes with me now. Michael, what's the background to all this? So the broad outline of the story is that Grant Thornton, which is um, one of the biggest accountancy firms in the in the UK, they were fined £650,000 by the Financial Reporting Council, which is effectively the watchdog for the accountancy firm. So if accountancy firms do anything wrong, you know, the FRC is effectively meant to keep these guys in check. So they found that in 2016, Grant Thornton had done a botched audit of, of a company and one of the partners there um, ultimately took responsibility for the audit. He was fined or she was fined, was, uh, we'll come on to that, we don't know who they are, was fined £20,000. So in total it's £670,000 fine. It was reduced down to a lower level because they cooperated. So the company that had been audited, they've not been named. Why not? Why would a company not be named in these circumstances? So the FRC has room uh, to use its discretion not to name a company. Now, one of the reasons for this is to do with the public interest. So the FRC has a conduct committee. Uh, Ten people sit on the committee. Quite a few former auditors and accountancy Big wigs are on are, are on the committee, and they decided that one of the reasons they can not name a company is if they don't think it's in the public interest uh, to name them. So we don't know for sure why they didn't name them because that again is also kept on the wraps. But yeah, it could be the fact that this company was found to have done nothing wrong. It was only Grant Thornton which had sort of botched the audit. One reason you could reasonably guess is the fact that the company maybe didn't want their name attached to, to this incident for whatever reason, bad publicity. Our leader today is calling for that company to be named, basically because the newspaper believes investors should be told the truth. Yeah, this is a stock market listed company. And when you are listed on the stock market, you're a public company. So lots of uh, the listeners, lots of sort of ordinary people may have shares in this company. The company involved would have rules over what it has to tell investors. So one of the points the FRC makes is that the accounts themselves were never restated. They were actually okay, uh, the accounts. So therefore, there was no reason to restate the accounts or, you know, effectively, they were correct. Um, what Grant Thornton were found to have done effectively was they had a job to value the assets of this company. And what they need to do to value the assets is take a, a sample to decide how much that company's worth. Uh, the FRC said Grant Thornton took too small a sample. They also re relied too heavily on an outside valuation firm appointed by the company itself. So spinning back to your original point, I, I do think it is right that we should probably know the, know the name of the company, given they're a publicly listed company, um, given it was to do with the valuation of their assets. So it was not the price, it's, the valuation put on it was okay. It was a process that was done. Uh, the process that Grant Thornton went to to arrive at that valuation. Um, but I just think for sort of transparency around um, the process of auditors and companies and that relationship, which has been criticised for being too cosy in the past, um, I think to give everyone peace of mind, it would be better if, if, if we did know the name of the, of the company. 
And that's the leader. Please do subscribe and rate. We've got some very special election shows coming up this week. And try out our audio news bulletins through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back at 4pm tomorrow. <laughs>